Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Welcome to Life and Art from FT Weekend. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and this is our Friday chat show. Today, we are talking about the great Dolly Parton and her new album, which came out today. It's called Rockstar. This album purports to be Dolly's first ever rock album. It is mostly her singing covers of rock songs with the artists that originally performed them. Here she is singing Let It Be with Sir Paul McCartney. Today, we'll talk about the album and we'll talk about Dolly. Because over recent years, we have deified her. She's larger than life, and she's become a kind of saint. My guests and I have thoughts about what has made her an exception to the rule. Joining me in the New York studio is Anna Nicolaou. She works nine to five as our U.S. media correspondent. (laughs) Uh, And she just got back from a reporting trip to the Country Music Awards in Nashville. What a way to make a living. (laughs) Hi, Anna. (laughs) Thanks for having me back after I scolded you about Taylor a few weeks ago. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, it's encouraged. And from London, her smile is like a breath of spring. Her voice is soft like summer rain. It is not Jolene. It's FT Food and Drink editor Harriet Fitchlittle. Wow. Harriet is also. <laughs> <laughs> I really like these. Do we like this? I like it. Okay, good. It feels so beautiful to have Dolly's words applied to me. Even though they're by you, Lila. But it's just wonderful. It's lifted my day. Oh, good. Um, Harriet, you are our resident Dolly Head, a longtime fan. Uh, Welcome and thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, so as we begin, to introduce the album, I will say just a couple things. One is that it's long. There are 30 tracks. Uh, It is also decisively rock, not country, for which Dolly is normally known. Nine of the songs are new originals, but the majority are these rock covers, which she says are inspired by the musical taste of her husband of 57 years, the mysterious Carl. Let's talk about the album first and what you make of it. Um, Maybe, Harriet, we'll start with you. What did you think? Lila, I mean, I feel like if you wanted serious opinions on Rockstar, the album, you would have got (laughs) a music critic on. That's true. Um, instead, you have me. And the extent to which I can offer a serious opinion, I'm not sure. I mean, I think there are lots of things to admire on this. Dolly's 40, 49th album. So, you know, if you don't like this one, there'll be another one along soon enough. 49. You will like. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I think something that does come through on the album is how Dolly really can connect with songs emotionally we should say it's really rare for her to do covers right and some of these aren't covers but lots of them are my favorite song on the album was the Miley Cyrus duo on Wrecking Ball if you remember (laughs) if you remember the cultural moment around that coming out I think that was not considered um an emotional song and that was not sort of what it sort of became known for in popular culture at the time it became Um, known for for Miley Cyrus just swinging on a giant wrecking ball right 
Our producer Lulu called Wrecking Ball. She said it sounded like two screaming cats in a bag. And I resent that. I actually I hated it. it. You hated it. (laughs) I mean, I love the original Wrecking Ball. Yeah. I view it as a pristine work of art. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. It sounds like I'm joking, but I'm not. Right. I, yeah, this was like, Wrecking Ball was maybe the only song where I was like, this is just too much. Interesting. So what was your thought overall about this? Overall, I mean, the album is absurd. <laughs> I think it reflects kind of who she is, though, right? That like she's this prolific songwriter, has written thousands of songs, obviously knows what she's doing, but doesn't take herself very seriously or too seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think... It's just supposed to be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it felt like listening to a karaoke soundtrack yeah. or like the Rent soundtrack, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. But yeah, I mean, it's a little ridiculous. Every smile you fake, every claim you stake, I'll be watching you. I think this this album could actually give you quite a false impression of Dolly Parton's musical output. You know, she's in her mid-70s, but I was thinking about mm-hmm. why she is so much still a part of popular culture. And obviously a lot of that is, you know, just things will come on to in terms of her character. But she's also been incredibly prolific and continues to be prolific. She is actually still putting out a huge amount of new material. You know, last mm-hmm. year she co-wrote a book with James Patterson, Um, and decided to put out a whole soundtrack uh, to accompany the book of music, you know, original music related to the book. So, you know, it'd be a pity if anyone listened to this album or more likely, you know, just listened to this podcast and thought, you know, (laughs) Dolly's just sort of like washed up doing covers. I think that absolutely isn't the case. I feel like... um... I would be a terrible critic because I just I just think you're both right. <laughs> like I love that you loved Wrecking Ball, Harriet, <laughs> and I love it. Didn't feel to me like it mattered. I almost didn't even care about what was on the album. I didn't care about whether it was like technically good. I just wanted to hang out with Dolly, and this was like the silly thing that she got to do, and she has the power to do that. We were like with her. Um, Okay, so let's talk about who Dolly Parton is before we get into her kind of role in culture. The woman is nearly 80. She's 77 years old. She's been performing for 65 of those years. I've been thinking about it, and really everyone knows at least a few of her songs, even if they don't realize that they know them. And everyone listening can probably picture her in their mind, right? Even the outline of her figure, like big lips, big smile, big hair, big boobs, little waist, you know, these like rhinestone outfits. It's like we all know Dolly. Yeah. Um, But not everyone knows quite why she's become the icon that she has. So here's a few facts. Dolly was born very poor, one of 12 kids in a one-room cabin in rural Tennessee. She started performing at 12, and over the years, she's won 10 Grammys, had 53 nominations. She's written thousands of songs, like the iconic I Will Always Love You, many others. Maybe Anna and Harriet, you can help me. 
Here you come again for me. <laughs> Nine to uh, five. Yeah. Jolene. Jolene. Love is like a butterfly. Yes. <laughs> um, Anna, what did we miss like from the industry? How do people see her in the industry? Are there any other facts that we should know? I would say from the industry side, she's still, I mean, her celebrity has kind of overtaken everything in a sense. She's like this living legend, mm -hmm. but she's extremely important still in country music. Like I was in Nashville last week for non-Dolly reasons. And <laughs> as soon as you get off the plane, her face is everywhere. Mm -hmm. I would say it's maybe Dolly, Elvis, and Johnny Cash are the three faces you will see on every T-shirt and mural and hat just mm -hmm. throughout the city. So I think she's still such a big core piece of country music and music in general. Yeah. And just like, it's, I think it's quite rare for an artist who has been doing this for so long to still be so relevant uh, in kind of contemporary culture. Yeah, yeah. And just to add to that, she had an acting career. She was in 9 to 5. That was nominated for an Oscar. And also she's a philanthropist. She's an advocate for queer rights. Um, she, has you guys a theme park. she has a theme park called Dollywood. She unites uh, all those things together. And if you work at Dollywood and you want to pursue higher education, it will be fully funded by right. Dolly Parton. Right. So she has sort of like created a web. Yeah, she's like Disney. <laughs> That's how I think of her, honestly. Yeah. In so many ways. I don't think I mean contemporary Disney where everyone hates Bob Iger or whoever it might be. <laughs> But like this like American nostalgia and idealism mm -hmm. of like going to Disneyland when you were a kid. Yeah. And this concept of this country that may have never even really existed, but I think like people still want to believe in, which like that you can just come from nothing and have a really big dream and become whatever you want to be. That's such a that's dolly in a nutshell, right? Yeah. Okay, let's get into it then. You know, at this point, we know who Dolly is as a person, but over the past 10 years or more, she's become a lot more. Like, she's cemented herself as what I've read described as this kind of secular American saint. Um, and I would love to spend the rest of our time talking about Saint Dolly. Harriet, you've been a fan of Dolly Parton for like a decade. Can you tell us why? How did you get inducted into the cult of Dolly? Well, you come to the right person, Lila, because I am wearing a T-shirt that says St. <laughs> Dolly on it as we speak. Incredible. Um, it's normally a pyjama top, but I was there ironing it at 6 a.m. this morning <laughs> to try and make it vaguely work appropriate. And my boyfriend was ironing his work shirts and just sort of looking at my life and thinking, <laughs> is this a job? I might be ordering one soon. <laughs> I felt a bit, really wanted to come on this episode but I also felt a bit nervous talking about Dolly as someone who you know I love a lot of her songs but I don't have any particular affinity with country music and just I suppose I spent a lot of time this week trying to understand why I find her so interesting mm -hmm. and okay this is my sort of like pitch to you imagine you lined up all the celebrities in the world living or dead and then you, you ask them all and you can have their fans there as well. You also ask all their fans. You say like, if you could go back and live your life over, you know, when it comes to business decisions, the like creative output that you've put out, uh, when it comes to like how you've managed your personal life and like the fact of your celebrity and um, what you've done with your money. Like if you could go back, like what would you have done differently? Mm. And I really do believe that the person who is sitting at the sort of like 
shining end of that spectrum is Dolly Parton in Mm. terms of all those things. What I suppose I find very, very interesting is that the person who has managed this with the most grace out of anyone in the world is born one of 12 children, child star while still in like immense poverty in an industry controlled by men who never saw her as, you know, a successful solo artist. The fact that, you know, the person who has done everything the best is also Mm -hmm. that person. I do think that is quite incredible. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Anna, what do you think? I think it's absolutely true. She's enormously accomplished. I think my struggle with Dolly, (laughs) maybe my future memoir, uh, (laughs) is that I don't feel like I know her. Mm -hmm. She's ambitious to the point that I find it hard to relate to, if that makes sense. She just has this like extremely fierce persona that she puts on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's literally just who she is and that's how she is all the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I struggle with feeling like I just still don't really know who she is. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? Neither. (laughs) I don't think it's it's a good or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's clearly like how she's chosen to go about her life and career. Yeah. But like when I... I saw her at this event, like this was maybe four or five years ago. It was this whole night honoring her. And she went up to make a speech and she was performing from the first second. Like there was no moment where I felt like she was, you know, choked up or like sincerely. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not in a bad way. Like she was just like immediately cracking jokes and enter- she was immediately entertaining us yeah. at this event that was supposed to be to honor her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just how she always is. And for, there's something with that that I find hard to crack. Mm. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's funny for that to be sort of an unsettling thing about her that also gives her more power is like, is she being real or fake? Because um, I've always thought of her as this kind of marketing genius, like, because of course she's very in control of her image, but the image that she's sort of chosen or that she has is this like delicious mm-hmm. kind of sparkly outfit, cute voice, kind of like ideal Americana marketing mm-hmm. image. So like you would think it has to be fake, but then like she somehow found a way to be both fake and real at the same time. And maybe that just means that it's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you like know it is who like? she is. Who? She's like the queen of England. <laughs> it all comes back to the queen. In the, if you think about the way... <laughs> this yeah, is what happens Stella's when you get London England. on the line. Um, exactly. If you think about the way the queen dressed, it was so weird and sort of outside of any contemporary understanding or even like non-contemporary understanding of fashion. It was just like the queen. Mm -hmm. She was just the queen. And I think we all believe that probably when she went home in the evenings, it's not like she was getting changed into a pair of tracksuit bottoms and, you know, like she still (laughs) probably acted like the queen. And I think Dolly Parton just, yeah, I I don't believe there's sort of a shell that's waiting to be cracked open. And there's like, you know, this fully tattooed woman (laughs) underneath, which is what some people think about her, that she's covered in tattoos and every part of her body you can't see. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe it's just her, her coping mechanism like that's how she dealt with hardship from a very young age no not even the dressing up but just like focusing on the good it seems like that's yeah. very much what she does yeah and try like she's all about things that sound really banal when you say them out loud but like unity and like right finding common ground with people and focusing on like not taking yourself too seriously and making jokes about things right yeah 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 uh, but yeah, no, I mean, there's something inter- very interesting about her in, in her ability to kind of like 
walk this tightrope where no, yeah, no one hates Dolly. Mm-hmm. Or at least I've never met anyone who hates Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she refuses to say anything about Trump, for mm-hmm. example. Like p- right. anything political, she just completely changes the subject or makes a joke or whatever it might be. And I feel like for a lot of celebrities, people would be really angry about that. Yeah. And somehow we're all just like, well, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, Dolly. Yeah. Yeah. I also think everyone can love her because she's so unreal in a way you know I am sticking with my metaphor of the queen because she's also she was a unifier for the UK and there's something about Dolly that is so otherworldly like even if you know we haven't really talked about her look but her look actually doesn't really embody any man or woman's vision of glamour it embodies actually a child's vision of glamour famously like Dolly sort of (laughs) modeled her look on what she called, like, quote, the town tramp, you know, who was the person she saw when she was, like, dirt poor and thought, wow, I want to be glamorous like that. So Dolly doesn't look like anyone or act like anyone who really exists within our world. And maybe that would make it very difficult for her to reveal more or to, you know, be more than she is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, She is who she is. And we're constantly sort of, like, surprised by that. Um, Okay, my last question for both of you is just like, what does it say about us that we need a Saint Dolly? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's it's fairly obvious, no? Everyone's kind of looking to see themselves in someone else or to see this kind of more positive viewpoint. I think that's what I like Dolly for, personally. It just feels fun and makes it feel like life isn't that bad. Yeah. And I'm not a super fan... I'm a casual fan. I should say, you, despite Hannah? all of this, I would probably describe myself as a casual fan too. <laughs> when I get onto <laughs> she the says topic. in her t-shirt. <laughs> when I get onto the topic, I just feel it very strongly. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think I want to see myself in Dolly. I think I want her to be sort of something outside of me and perhaps one of the only figures in popular culture who is outside of me in that way. Um, yeah, you know, the queen is dead. Long live the queen. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, like, I I just, I miss sort of unknowable stars. Like, uh, she's not on social media. She has this persona that is hard to separate from the person that she is. And maybe they're the same. And, uh, and there's something old school icon about that, that I think is like, feels good. Um, Anna and Harriet, this is so great. Thank you both. We will be back in just a minute for a segment called More or Less. Welcome back for More or Less, the part of the show where each of us gives one thing that we want more of or less of culturally. Harriet, let's start with you. What do you have? Um, I don't know if either of you watched a show called Jury Duty, which was out on Amazon last year, but has been a sort of like slow boiling hit ever since. Have you come across it? No. No. Jury Duty is an American candid camera show that goes inside supposedly the jury process. But in actual fact, there's only one real juror on there and everyone else is acting and presenting (laughs) the one real juror with a set of increasingly ridiculous and impossible scenarios. And I absolutely loved it. And the thing that it made me realize I want more of is shows that follow that format, but are essentially about human kindness and brilliance. Because the guy at the center of the show, Ronald, he just continues to excel himself at every turn, you know. Oh, he just comes off as a good guy? He just comes off as the best guy you have 
ever oh, met and any of the jurors have ever met. So I would like more candid camera comedy that is essentially about the good in humanity rather than embarrassing people. I love that. Perfect. Uh, Anna, what about you? Mine is short and very low stakes. I hate that. <laughs> do you know this? the gray flooring that looks like fake wood, <laughs> but it's gray? Yes. It, yes. Was, it was in my hotel in Nashville and it made me, so, I was so angry every time I got home. I was like, who would ever do this? <laughs> like, how did this even become a thing in the first place? And why is it still a thing? Yeah. Like, you'll see, like, ads for new apartments in New York. And I'm just so aghast. <laughs> so less of that, please. <laughs> yes, less great. That's um, that's a very good one. <laughs> Lila, what's yours? I have done a restaurant one in honor of our food and drink editor mm. on the line. Um, I want less of, like, the best for restaurants and more just like good and local. Um, I've been asked to choose my two favorite new restaurants this year for our insider guide, FD Globetrotter. Same. And I'm realizing that we're all seeking out like the best taco in the city or the best tasting menu ever. But really what I'm looking for are spots with really good food, with details that are considered, of course, but also that just feel like local and happy and like kind of casual in their goodness and like places that you would actually want to become a regular at. And um, that's my rec. I want less best ever once and more <laughs> consistently an extremely nice time. That's great. And Lila, if you um, pick up a copy of the magazine tomorrow, you'll find that we've done something quite similar in the UK where loads of FT staffers talk about their favorite local cozy pubs that aren't in London. Of course you did. Same motivation. Perfect. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah. I got you. Amazing. <laughs> Anna, Harriet, thank you both. Thank you. I will always love you. <laughs> <laughs> in the words of the great Dolly Parton. <laughs> Same. And uh, yeah, this is a total delight. Thank you, Lila. Thanks, Lila. That's the show. Thank you for listening to Life and Art from FT Weekend. I highly recommend you check out the show notes. We have links in there to everything that we talked about. Uh, you can also get links to Anna and Harriet's work. The links will get you past the paywall on FT.com. In the show notes, we have discount codes for a subscription to the FT as well. And we have ways to keep in touch with me and with the show on email, X, and Instagram. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and here is my talented team. Katya Kimkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer and our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. Have a lovely weekend and we'll find each other again on Monday. <laughs>